Well, if you have your Bibles, and as Pastor Kim read to us uh, in Luke chapter 2, you know, it's interesting. I want to kind of re-look re, re at what she read about the birth of Jesus. But three times in this uh, chapter, you'll notice the emphasis uh, about Jesus being born in, uh, in verse 7. It mentions him uh, that she'll give birth to a firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes or cloths, I should say, and placed him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. So that's the first emphasis on three things, a, a son, a, a baby, a, a, a blanket, uh, and, a, and a, a, a feed trough for for animals is what a manger is. So then he tells again when the angels appear uh, to, uh, to the shepherds, and, and in verse 11, they say, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now verse 12, this will be a sign. Now think of signs, what you would think of a sign, a miracle, a wonder, uh, something supernatural. I mean, these are angels appearing to them. You, you, they got their attention. It's like, oh, what's the sign going to be? It's going to be some kind of an amazing thing. And they said, this is the sign. You're going to find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. That's the sign. That's the gospel sign. That's what God's been working on for thousands of years, literally, this plan, God created this plan with our Lord Jesus in heaven with the Holy Spirit before creation. God planned salvation. It's not a, what do I do, panic attack, come up with some remedy to the sinfulness and the brokenness of this planet. God planned this in eternity. And so, so far what we've got in this plan is a baby, is a blanket, and is a feed trough. This is the plan. It seems a little understated, to say the least. Then, the third time in this story, after the angels, uh, they tell them, look for the sign, the angels leave. Um, verse 15, when the angels left them, they'd gone to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd, shepherd said to them. This evening, I just want you to focus on the, the, the way Christ came into the world. That, that you got to understand that the, the coming of Christ was to demonstrate to the world who God is. He was to unveil what the Father is like. And in one place, Jesus in the New Testament said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's not speaking about his physicalness, but about his his heart, his nature, his mindset, his, his behavior, his actions. It demonstrated who God. Now, you've got to understand, when God made a plan for Christ to come, the plan, how he came, says as much about why he came and is about as much about the message that he came to bring. And so it's kind of like the package complemented the message. Jesus First thing he teaches us about how he came and who God is is that we have a humble God. 
Now think about what God would be like if he wasn't humble. Now just think of what a, a contrast it is. Jesus didn't come to earth and become something as his nature that he wasn't already with the Father. He didn't come and become humble Jesus. He came as humble Jesus because he was the humble Son of God. He was a humble representation of God the Father. It, it, the, the thing people get wrong about the birth of Jesus is that baby Jesus is, is, is in, in, incarnated in, in the flesh is God himself. That's why in Matthew it speaks of the Christmas story telling us that Emmanuel, God, is with us. So Jesus never stopped being God to come as a human. But he laid aside his prerogatives and his privilege. This is humility. You don't, in our day and age, you don't see, you know, sports stars and they'll do something for a show or TV, but you don't, you very seldom see an act of heroicness. I thought about, I heard a story many years ago about this podiatrist that uh, retired. He and his wife, they bought a motor home. And they decided they were going to go around as he had worked for years helping people have healthy feet. Uh, and he traveled around the country with his wife and they would go to nursing homes. And in the nursing homes, they would go in and trim and give pedicures to the people in the nursing home. Now, I thought about that. I thought about how much you'd have to pay me to do that. And I'm not sure there's enough money that you could pay me. I mean, you, you ever see, when we get old, our feet are not, they don't do well getting old. And toenails can get really nasty. They can get thick and jagged. And uh, I mean, if, if you've never seen Dumb and Dumber with a, with a sander on the toenails of those guys. Anyway, it, it's just, I thought, it always struck me, it's foot washing on a whole nother level. When, when you see somebody that, 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 that it's a, who's a, medical professional humbling themselves and doing the most meaning it's meaningful but demeaning to touch somebody's nasty feet and to clip their toenails and and take care of their their cuts and and <clears throat> that's humility and we don't come by it naturally jesus is humble he comes humbly and so he's not born in the Taj Mahal. He's not born in the mansion. He could have been. I, why not? And that had nothing to do with whether we could be saved or not. It didn't have, but it had to do with him becoming one of us. Part of him taking a body is to become who we were so that he could die for us. I, I want you to... I want you to just turn with me if you're following in your Bibles or you can look on the screen to the book of Hebrews because I want to take a few minutes here and, and just think about the body that Jesus came in. Now, we know the manger. We know the, the, the animals. We know the blanket and the mother. Uh, you know, and, and, but I want you to think about the body for a few minutes with me, about this baby, how God chose to come and become part of us in the human race 
to join us. In Hebrews, he's talking about the Old Testament, the old way of approaching God, trying to serve God with ritual and sacrifices and trying to get God to like them, trying to get God to forgive them, bringing animals and cutting their throats and bringing their blood to God. And you might think, well, it's just a, it's a horrible scene in the Old Testament. But God was trying to teach his people how, how holy he was, how unholy they were, and they needed a substitute to cover their sins. And they, for years in the Old Testament, they used animal sacrifices. And they would take certain animals. They, had, they couldn't just be any animal. Uh, for example, if you brought a sheep, they would inspect the sheep. And if he had some form of deformity, you couldn't use him. He had to be a, uh, without spot or blemish is how the Bible describes those sacrifices. The priests were in charge of, of, of approving them or rejecting them. And, and you couldn't bring a, a diseased sheep that's got all kinds of, you know, stuff, nasty sores. And, and you couldn't bring that to the priest, say, I want to offer this to God. They'd say, no, nah, can't take him. Well, what do you mean? It's, a, it, it's all I got. No, God deserves the best. And if you can't bring an unblemished, then you have to bring something else. And so all of these animals, for years, they were attempting to please God. But listen to these words in the book of Hebrews, because they're words out of the Psalms that were written hundreds and thousand years before Christ came to planet Earth. They're literally Christ speaking to us through the Psalms, about his coming. Because as we've been talking in our series, and you can go online and watch, Christ didn't just start to exist when he became baby Jesus. He was forever with the Father. He was the creator of the universe. And But when he left heaven, he came and he took a body. And that's what these words are going to talk about in Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse, uh, I'll read verse 4. Because it is impossible... For the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. You could literally fill in the blank here in your Bible with anything you could think of that you might do to try to pay for your own sins. I'll never forget my wife and I years ago met this lady that was walking in a very crippled fashion and we started talking to her, and she had come from Latin America, and in their culture, they were often taught that they had to do penance to pay for their sins. And she had taken uh, uh, little pebbles and rocks and put them in her shoes so that when she walked, she walked on pebbles that ruined her feet. But her point was trying to say to God, I'm sorry for my sins. She was trying to bring a sacrifice that would make God happy. She believed deceptively that the way to get to God and his heart was for you to suffer for your sins or to you to offer some sacrifice for your sins. Jesus says it's impossible. Whatever it is, whether it's being religious, reading the Bible, trying to be good, quitting bad habits, Whatever blank you try to put in here, see the word impossible. You and I cannot make God happy. We can't because he's 
demanding perfection. He demands holiness. And I can't offer that to him. I'm going to offer brokenness. I can offer my sinfulness. I can offer my failures, but I can't offer God perfection. I can't be good enough to be good enough to make God pleased. Now, Jesus said, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats. It's impossible for religion. It's impossible for your sacrifices. Now, verse five, therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, now remember, this is, he's quoting Psalm 40, 41, 40, 41. He's quoting, and he's quoting this as a, as a, a, a eternal Christ speaking what's going to happen when he comes into the world. When Christ came into the world, he said, now this isn't baby Jesus talking. This is Christ as he descended from heaven to become the man Christ Jesus. He said, sacrifice and offerings you don't desire. Now that's a shocker. It's kind of like for years, we bought my mother flowers. Years. Mother's Day, flowers. Valentine's Day, flowers. Birthday, flowers. Every woman likes flowers. Apparently not my mother. Because after years of buying all those flowers, she said, I just have to tell you, I don't like flowers. And I like the smell of them. They smell dead. She loved flowers. She didn't like cut flowers. She wanted something living. It reminded her of you know, not good. Just So I thought my mind went to all of them. And back then it was a sacrifice. I'm like, mom, why didn't you tell me? You didn't like flowers. I didn't, I didn't want to make you sad. She would literally, we would drive out of the driveway. She'd take the flowers and she'd put them right into the garbage. She didn't like smell of them. And you know, there are certain flowers now when I pay attention and I can pick up that smell. There's just kind of that funeral home smell. Anyway, so it's just not, it's not a great smell. And so I have to be careful. Um, but, but God doesn't have a problem saying, I don't like flowers. Not that he doesn't like flowers. You get my point. He's saying, I don't like all these animals being killed. That doesn't make me happy. It's not solving the problem. I'm about solving the problem. These are band-aids. These are little little encouragements, but, but they're not solving the problem of our brokenness and our sinfulness with God. So Jesus said, you don't want sacrifices and offerings, but you've prepared a body for me. Think about that. It's one of the most powerful verses about Christmas you'll ever find, though it's not in the Gospels. But Jesus said, you know, the Father's making me a body. He knows my mission. He knows what he's sending me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He knows and has planned my mission. He's designing my body to complement the mission, to accomplish redemption. He made him a body. First of all, it was a human body. You know, I think that's one of the emphasis why you read it was lying in the manger. It was wrapped in cloth. It was a baby. It wasn't some phantom. It wasn't a ghost. It wasn't a, he put on a costume. Baby Jesus has a costume on that looks like he's human. He's a, bo he's a body. He cried. 
He, he was being fed by his mom. She was holding him. He grew. He became a man. He was human. The body that he took was just like yours and just like mine. Now, again, if I was God, I would think I'd do it a little different. I would have made a body that looked like the rock or, you know, come out. Why not? He could still be Jesus and be buffed. I mean, he could be, I told, I, what if he made him like Shaquille O'Neal? Seven, what, what is Shaquille? Like seven something. And have you ever seen his shoe? I've been in a shoe store one time. I don't think it was real, but it looked like Goliath's shoe. It literally was like two of my feet put together. I mean, it's like size 24 or something. I don't know. It's just this massive foot. Wouldn't you have been a better Jesus if you were Shaq Jesus? Come on. You're gonna, nobody's going nobody's gonna to spit on you. Let's start there. You got a problem, buddy? Come here. Nobody's going nobody's to shove you around. You're Shaq Jesus. Why not? He didn't have to become a normal body, which he was. So normal, nobody knew who he was. He didn't glow. He didn't stand out. He didn't, it, his actions, his life, his miracles, the things God was doing through him, those are the things that began to display his wonders. But God gave him a body that was just like ours, limited, limited. He had to breathe the same air we breathe. He had to be, as Kim and I were talking on the way up, as only a mother would think, about changing baby Jesus' diaper. Can you imagine that? He pooped, by the way. You know, baby Jesus pooped. It was real. I mean, this is, this is the body that God made. He made the body to be just like us. It's still, he's still God, and he's in a human body that is just like ours, limited, weak. Jesus had to pray. He had to depend on the Father. He had to say, God, help. He, again, he could have called 10,000 legions of angels. He could have, he, but, but he came, his body was meant to present his heart which was humble and kind and meek and lowly. Now, don't make that equal that he was a wimp and don't make it equal that somehow Jesus was not powerful, but it was a power of love. It was, a, it was the kindness of God that he came to demonstrate. He had to have a body that reflected that, a body of humility, a body of normalcy, but it's a permanent body. What Jesus took in that birth, he'll never lose. He didn't become baby Jesus to grow up, die on the cross, bury in the grave, and then go back to heaven and leave the body. When he went back to heaven, he took the body with him, redeemed, totally resurrected, but it's the body that he got that God prepared for him right here. And that's what gives us the hope of resurrection. So it was a real human body. It was limited, weak. It was a body that knew the, the pain of life that he had to live in. Just the fact that there was, there was a, a poorness to his upbringing and understanding what it is to live in the pain of the world that, that we live in. It's a body that felt pain. It's a body that knew emotional trauma 
and somebody that knew had to fight anxiety, fight fear, fight temptation. Now, he never sinned, but it wasn't a body that didn't feel, that, that was like super bullets bounce off and words don't affect him and spit in the face didn't bother him and his rejection by his family was no problem and, and, and the disciples betraying him and, and you know, he, he, he felt all of that. The Bible describes him as a man of sorrows. He, he wore our pain in that real body, in a real life, on planet earth that was filled with warfare and all kinds of challenges. Now, here's what I want to kind of wrap this up with. Look what Jesus says here about this body that God has prepared for him. He says in verse 5 that you don't want sacrifice and offerings, but you made a body for me. Now, what is he going to do with that body? Verse 6, burn offerings and sin offerings, you're not pleased. Then I said, here I am. Now, this happened in eternity. This is before he came to planet earth, but this is who he is. The, the, the Jesus that humbles himself because he loves us says, I will save them. I will go and rescue them. Here am I. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. Now this will here is the will of God's heart to rescue and to save us. That's what the will is. Verse eight. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings, sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, here am I. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first, that's the Old Testament, to establish the second. And by verse 10, by that will, the will of God, the mission of salvation, by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Don't miss this. Once for all. You can wear pebbles in your shoes. You can whip yourself on your back. You can punish yourself. You can, you can try to, to be religious in so many aesthetic ways. You can try to be more uh, righteous than other people. And you can quit every bad habit that you can think of. And you can look, look outwardly better than anyone else. You can, you can, do, you can learn about the Bible. You can, you can offer to God all of these self-made sacrifices, expecting God to say, well done, you've now paid for your own sins. But, but Jesus says there's only one body. There's only one sacrifice he made it one time forever. He'll never need to be remade. Christ will never have to die again. He'll never have to suffer again. So it's a body that was made to die. It's just like ours. It's mortal. It's not an immortal body. It's a human body that knew weakness and flaws, but it was a body that could, could become a sacrifice for our sins. So you go from baby Jesus to who becomes the perfect sacrifice, bringing that body that started in Mary's womb, that he came from heaven, joined her womb, lived on earth perfectly, and then was crucified. That's the body that pleased the Father. That's the body that took our place. That's the body that was prepared for him the sacrifice that he came to be 
even from the baby, from baby G, he came to fulfill that mission. That's a miracle. That's a wonder. That's grace. That's love. He did that with you in mind, that his body would be made so it could die for you and for me. That's the miracle of Christmas. It's not just baby Jesus. It's baby Jesus that becomes the sacrifice for the sins of the world. Let's pray together. I can't think of anything that comes to my mind, Lord, but thank you. Thank you. Lord, there may be someone here today that, that doesn't know you personally. Maybe they're trying to offer sacrifices to get you to like them. But Lord, you've already done that. You've already become their sacrifice. You already have paid for their sins. Lord, would you help them to get their eyes off of their own religious sacrifices and find the freedom in knowing that you paid the perfect, you made the perfect sacrifice to pay for our sins. Thank you, Lord. We can never do enough to atone for our own sins. But Lord, you've already done it with your body that was prepared, that you took upon yourself, that you went to the cross with to pay the price for our sins. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. If you're listening, maybe you're online or here in church tonight, this Christmas Eve, the greatest gift that's ever been given has already been given once for all. He died. He died to permanently reconcile us to God. It's the perfect sacrifice. Never needs to be made again. Can't be added to his perfect body for our sinful lives. God says, I'm pleased. The way he's pleased with us is by trusting in that sacrifice. If you've never done that, you could whisper a prayer right now. Say, Jesus, I, I just want to trust in your sacrifice. Not trying to be religious. Not trying to earn it. But Lord, I want to receive your free gift of eternal life. That you paid for with your body. That was prepared for you to be the sacrifice for our sins. Just invite Christ to come be the Lord of your life right now. What a the greatest gift you'll ever receive. Come, Holy Spirit. Just give courage to those that, that could make a stand tonight and go public with their faith, Lord, in a way that would radically change their lives. We love you, Lord, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we sing this last song, if you'll stand up with me, and I want to give an opportunity. Now, we do this in every service, so uh, we don't try to do it to, to embarrass anybody. We do it to celebrate. We, we give an opportunity that, you know, the Bible talks about faith is per very personal, but it's not private. There's a difference. It, you, people, a lot of people are Christians, but nobody knows it, and uh, that's not good. Uh, it, it, we're, we're not to preach it, people, but we're to be able to speak about our faith. And the best way to begin that, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart that Christ died for your sins and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord, the Bible says you'll be saved. 
it, it's, it's that step of faith to move from heart to mouth confession to say yes to Jesus as my Lord. So if you're online and, and you pray that prayer with me, just text in the words, I said yes. But if you're here, we'd love to give you a chance this Christmas just to let you say publicly, I said yeah, I prayed that prayer, Jamie, and this is my night. I'm gonna step out and say yes to Jesus as my Lord. And this isn't for Christians that you're excited. We'll sing in a minute, light candles. But this is for someone that's not stepped publicly across that line and said, I'm a, I want to say yes to Jesus, says my Lord. Who'd like to do that tonight? We're going to ring a bell, celebrate. Uh, it's a big deal to heaven as well as to us. That's uh, why he came. Anybody like to do that tonight? I, I prayed that prayer with you. I want to say yes to Jesus as my Lord. First one's the most challenging. You'll say, all right, I'll do it if someone else does it first. Yeah, don't wait. Be the first. Say, I say yes to Jesus. Stop trying to offer him what you're trying to make your way to go. Just take his free gift. I say yes to Jesus, says my Lord. Okay? So in closing, you should have a candle. Okay? We use real fire at the vineyard. Okay? It will burn you, so be careful. Your children are up playing in this Christmas Florida snow. They're going to come bone cold back down. They're having a blast. So we're going to light them. And be careful. Please don't drip the wax on yourself or the chairs. Just be big people here and be careful. Uh, Light it again. Just light it. Don't light it. No, here, here. Here, honey, stay up here. Let him get it. He'll get it. Oh. 
lift our candles together and sing this together. take a moment and just keep your lights up for a second we just had a good word somebody online that grew up with our daughters she was like a daughter to us uh, we haven't heard from her in quite a while but she gave her heart to jesus tonight so let's just ring the bell for yamali and uh, we say wonderful we celebrate with her we celebrate with her thank you jesus thank you jesus well, what a wonderful wonderful time thank you for being here with us and celebrating our lord and his birth and well, we just bless you uh that you'll enjoy your night enjoy your day tomorrow uh whether you're with a lot of people or by yourself the lord will be with you and know his presence he loves you he came to be near that's why he came. And so from Kim and I and our staff, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Say God bless you. Uh, we will reuse these one more service. So there'll be boxes on the way out. You can put them in.